morning and welcome to episode 544 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Very well, thank you. Do you want to hear a quick Play Index story? Of course, always. Um, so a friend of mine uh, named Ryan Kaltenbach, who is uh, on, on the Twitter, mm-hmm. um, he gave me a sort of a push in the direction of a potential fun fact, and I looked it up, and it was fun. And uh, so then I started to, uh, I thought I'd talk about it here, and then I thought, oh, I'll write it up as an unfiltered. And then I just kept writing, and now it's a full post. So it'll be up, but I'll give you the fun fact here, which is this. There are... 49 major leaguers who this year would have been the Padres triple crown winner. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's sad. And of course the Padres actual the the leaders of the the actual of the triple crown stats are actually three different people. So they don't even have <laughs> It's not I mean it would be bad enough if they if the best hitter on their team could only manage to hit 268 with 15 homers and 51 RBIs mm-hmm. but in fact the best hitter on their team couldn't manage to do that the best hitter on their team could manage to only do one third of that <laughs> i wonder if you were able to park adjust every component of the triple crown how many would still be better than the best padre yeah well of course fun facts uh, as i wrote in my piece about this fun fact all fun facts tell lies every single one uh, one does too. So, you know, there is a lie in there, but it is also mostly true. The lie is just to, to make it more attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, so that is a good one. And, and while I, I guess I'll, I'll throw this in, I, I, I would like some people to go to the website sometimes and read the articles. So I'm hesitant, uh, to give away too much, but there's another fun fact within mm-hmm. that, um, that I also got from play index. And that fun fact is that the Padres only had one qualifying hitter this year. Only one hitter qualified for the for the batting title, uh, and barely, just barely. <laughs> so and, they were they were just trying to avoid having anyone hit, really. But meanwhile, the Royals came two plate appearances away from having nine. Wow. Mike Mustaka Mike Mustak has had had 400 and uh, I guess 500. It looks like through today it looks like exactly 500. And uh, so if he had gotten two more, they would have had all nine all nine hitters in their lineup qualify. The exact opposite of the Padres experience was the Royals experience, which is kind of interesting because the Padres and the Royals experiences have not been dissimilar for a very long time. Or no. I think they they are currently dissimilar but for a long time they were not dissimilar. Even this year, the Royals are not exactly the offensive opposites of the Padres. They That's are a good point. also not so great at, at the hitting. That's a good point. Where do they... Let's see. I'm going to just check. I'm, I'm, I'm writing about them, so I know. They, are, they rank... Uh, well, I was looking at... I think by true average, they're, they're like fourth from the bottom or something. I was looking oh. at uh, WRC+, and they were 20... First among, if you just compare their non-pitchers to every other team's non-pitchers, this is interesting because the Royals, yeah, by runs scored, they're they're like average, but by um, you know by OPS plus, they're very close to the bottom. By true average, they're very close to the bottom. Does is this saying that Coffin Stadium is actually a strongly hitter-friendly park, which? 
I I've always thought of it as roughly average, but uh, but uh, Dayton Moore has made such a show of talking about how it's impossible to hit there, and it's the the mo- I mean in in his telling of it, it's the most pitcher friendly park in the game. Right. Um, but do the numbers actually support it being strongly hitter friendly? I don't think so. It definitely depresses home runs significantly. Looking at just ESPN's park factors, it's tenth slightly inflated runs but not not to that extent that you would think that that would be the case so maybe they were just clutch uh oh uh right their runs scored don't reflect their their offense performance yeah that could be it Mm -hmm. that's probably it all right all right uh so i wanted to talk about well i don't know where where this will go but i i want to start by talking about the pirates decision to start Garrett Cole today, mm-hmm. uh, today being Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figure we can talk about this because this is the first, it seems to me possibly, depending on your perspective, but possibly it's the first huge managerial blunder of the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Pirates, uh, the background is that the Pirates were a game behind the Cardinals. If they won Sunday and the Cardinals lost, they would force a one-game playoff to determine who would be the division champ. And if they uh, won that, then they wouldn't have to play the wild card game. So they would essentially uh, win a. It would basically be turning a uh, one one game playoff into two one game playoffs where they only had to win one, which would certainly help their odds. Um, but they didn't win. Uh, Garrett Cole pitched. Uh, they lost, or did they lose? I don't even. It didn't matter. Well, yeah, yeah, they did. They lose. did. They lost. And uh, to Johnny Cueto. And now they have to play the wild card game. And because of that, Garrett Cole can't pitch. Uh, in the wild card game against the Giants, uh, they already knew that Liriano would be either unable to pitch because he pitched Saturday, or would be on short rest, uh, and therefore probably shouldn't pitch. Um, and so the drop off is I, I would what fantasy league people call a tier. It's it's a tier from Garrett Cole and Francisco Liriano to the next tier down, which is uh, Edison Volquez. So now probably Volquez will will start, and the the. Unless you can talk me out of it, there doesn't seem to be any logic to this. Um, they basically needed to, uh, if they had won this game, like let's say that uh, Jeff Locke, I don't know who it would have been, but let's say Jeff Locke would have been the pitcher today otherwise instead of Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have in this situation, in this situation, they would have needed to win a start that Garrett Cole made and then a start that Jeff Locke made. And instead... Uh, they could have opted to do it. The, the they could have opted to hold Garrett Cole, and then they would have needed to win a start that Jeff Locke made and a start that Garrett Cole made. Garrett mm-hmm. Cole made so the exact same thing, just in a different order. But the same thing. They would have, in order to reach this magical division title, they would have needed to win a Jeff Locke start and a Garrett Cole start. But, but by not pushing Garrett Cole back uh, to the Monday game, to the potential one game playoff against the Cardinals, they now lose Garrett Cole. For the wild card game, which was, you know, most likely anyway, and um, they do it at seemingly no gain. Does this all make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had the benefit of being able to just wait with Cole for a day. If they needed him, fine. They could have used him on Monday. If they didn't need him, they would have been happy they didn't use him because now he could have pitched against the Giants on th- on uh, Wednesday. So. Uh, th- can you think, first of all, can you think of any reason that a team 
would care which order their pitchers pitched? I mean, like, is there any, is there, can you even think of a, of a kind of a, a weird baseball momentum confidence reason for it? Like, if they had pushed the Cardinals to that 160, like, you could, like, I, I want to say that there's some narrative there where if they push the Cardinals to game 163, it's a, it's a moral victory and they get to claim mm-hmm. that they pushed the Cardinals to the brink. But, I mean, like, in this telling of it, they, they would have, like lost it anyway and then they would have lost momentum before the postseason so you can't even say that they would have had that so why what would they be thinking ben well did you read hurdle's comments about this decision i i know that you read everything i don't have to <laughs> you have this insane reading schedule so I, this is why i come on the show is to because it's it takes me less time to hear you sum up the day's reading than to mm-hmm. read it myself Right. So, so Hurdle said that it basically did come down to soft factors like that. And so his. Okay, ra- good. So rationale I believe did- him. I totally believe him. I'm fine with soft factors. So, what are the soft factors? Because I can't envision them. Okay, so he says, at the end of the day, with every conversation I've had with a player, I've had with Neil Huntington, that I've had with Bob Nutting, that I've had with Frank Coonley, and that I've had with my coaching staff, there is no way we're going to walk away from the opportunity to win the division. To walk away and pitch Pimentel or Sadler or Gomez after 161 games of grit and fight and battle. We're trying to make history here. There is no guaranteed way to cut this thing up and do what you want to do. So we're going to do what we believe in. And he said that they feel good about Edinson Volquez in the wildcard game. And he said that human analytics outweighed theoretical questions when it came to arriving at the decision. So he said... We've been second-guessed all throughout this season about how we do things. This is not about theory. This is not about analytics. The only analytics that (laughs) played into this decision was human analytics. You play this long, and you get the opportunity to win the division, and to go theoretical is not in a lot of your players' DNA. And so he talked to his players. He talked to the Pirates Leadership Council, (laughs) which I love, which is made of five players, and they were asked for their input and showed unequivocal support for starting Cole and going for the division title. Hurdle said that the ultimate decision was his, I am reading from BucksDugout.com, and that he retained the right to veto, but this was his decision. This was what everyone on the team seemed to want to do. And he said that when your business is other people's pleasure, other people get pleasure telling you how to do your business, which is what we're doing now, I suppose. Well, no, I mean we're not. We're not. I'm, we're trying to figure out what the soft factors are. So mm-hmm. I, I don't hear. It's, I just don't hear what the soft factor is there. I'm. I want to believe in the soft factors, but I, I, like I get that it comes down to game one sixty two, but and you and in the last game of the season you want to put your best foot forward, but in this universe. It is not the final game of the season. 163 is a certainty mm-hmm. in the outcome that you desire. Right. And so if if the importance of putting your best foot forward in 162 is so big, then 163 would be equally as important. Unless you believe that losing game 162 is more dispiriting than losing game 163. And maybe that's true. Um I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that it would be. 
And besides the dispiritingness of it, there are the real tangible factors. I mean, game 163 also takes something out of you. So, mm-hmm. uh, so even if you, even if there were some moral pickup, there might be a physical. But it sounds to me, though, and this is what I don't think I was appreciating. So Jeff Locke would have started on Monday, mm-hmm. but what Hurdle said is to walk away and pitch Pimentel or Sadler or Gomez. So Locke presumably is unavailable on Sunday is that because if that's the story then it just then it becomes a, a an analytics question it mm-hmm. becomes much simpler is Jeff Locke considerably better than Pimentel and if that's the case then you can start to say oh well well you're not talking about Cole and Locke versus Locke and Cole you're talking about Cole and Locke versus Pimentel and Cole and they probably think that Jeff Locke is a lot better, mm-hmm. considerably better, and so that changes things. And so now I'm going to back off. I don't think, I don't think that Pimentel hasn't started a game this year. Mm-hmm. Sadler hasn't started a game this year. Gomez hasn't started a game this year. So, are they talking? Were they going to do a bullpen? 24, 25, 26, 27. He'd have been a day short. Okay, so they would have had to go with a a bullpen game. They would have had to throw their three junky relievers out there to get through the fifth at least by standard practice, before they could go to their real bullpen. So, um, yeah, okay, I'm fine with it then. Mm-hmm. I guess. That seems, that's reasonable. Yeah, I suppose. And I don't know, why Why didn't Clint Hurdle say, say that? Why didn't he say it was analytics? Why didn't he just <laughs> go, well, you know, we looked at the analytics of it, and uh, we just didn't have faith in using a bunch of garbage middle relief in the... In the game that mattered, and we figured by shuffling our rotation or by keeping on the same rotation, it would cost us coal in the wild card game. But but boy, the the benefits of it were potentially large if we had a chance to to avoid the wild card game altogether. It, frankly, what it came down to, media, is that we looked at the <laughs> analytics, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys want to you guys all want us to buy into some crazy narrative concoction <laughs> that you've got about momentum and leadership. But, you know, frankly, it all comes down to logic. And, you know, if you have a job like mine, you've, you've got to look at these things dispassionately, objectively. Mm-hmm. You have to look at all the information and make the decision that uh, even if your leadership counsel is against it, you got to go with it. And I did. <laughs> yeah. Then, and we wouldn't have talked about it at all. All right. So now, so here's the second thing I wanted to, to get to with this, though. The same day that this happened, um, Jose Altuve happened. Um, uh-huh. And so er, this morning, the Astros announced, and, and we're going based on reports. I don't know. There, there might be other details here that didn't get reported. Um, but based on kind of what's reported, this is the, the sort of conventional wisdom of, of what, what happened this morning. So Jose Altuve went into the, into the final game with a three-point lead in the batting race. The Astros, uh, according to Altuve, met with him, told him he, he would be sitting down the final game of the season. Uh, this would probably preserve his batting title because Victor Martinez would have had a, a very strong day to overtake him. Uh, according to Altuve, it was a meeting with the manager, the general manager, and three people he didn't know. Um, he wanted to play. He fought. He didn't like this decision. Uh, and it was announced probably three hours before the game, two hours before the game, all this came out. Two and a half, I guess, is when the clubhouse closed. So in that three-hour period before the game, this went on Twitter. Twitter freaked out. Everybody was ripping the Astros, um, including, you know, like big-time people like Ken Rosenthal and such, 
uh, were ripping the Astros for this decision. Uh, and then about an hour or so before the game, it was announced that the Astros had reversed the decision um, and Altuve did start. So it's hard to know. <coughs> uh, there were I saw this sometimes framed as Altuve talked his way into the lineup. <laughs> yes, I saw that too. And mm-hmm. I also saw it framed as uh, the Astros uh, got managed by Twitter for mm-hmm. the day. That that basically the uh, the public uh, got a early look at the lineup, uh, declared it uh, a poor idea, mm-hmm. uh, and made sufficient noise that the Astros changed their mind. So it, I don't know which one it is, but let's just assume for a second that it was the latter. Now, let's then further assume that a similar freakout happened in a situation like the Garrett Cole thing. Uh, is it dangerous, do you think, that uh, the public has a three or four hour, sometimes longer, head start to really amplify a kind of public response to a team's decision like this? It, could the, Do you think that, for instance, it's conceivable and or preferable that if Pirates fans had been furious enough and unanimous enough, they might have been able to similarly uh, change Hurdle's mind before the game started? Is that possible? Are we going to that era at all? (laughs) That's sort of what we talked about a couple weeks ago, right, with the idea of whether public relations or or whether the public and the fans should control what leagues do, what decisions leagues make. And so now we're talking about whether the same thing should apply to teams. I I mean, the, the Altuve situation was unique or unusual in that this was, it was not a decision that caused an uproar because we thought that someone else would be better to play. It wasn't, it wasn't a case of why isn't this guy playing because this guy is better than that guy. I don't think a team would allow Twitter to change its mind for that reason I would I would think I can't remember an instance of that happening to our knowledge it seems pretty far-fetched that a team would weigh all its options for who the best player to play in a game was and then change their mind in an hour or two particularly if you're talking about a starting pitcher who uh, ideally is being told that he is starting before a couple hours before the game so it's not as easy to change that decision as it is to change someone who's been removed or inserted into the lineup. But because it was this case where it was a team that was out of contention and a player who was being benched solely to preserve a batting title against his will, which was the the real problem that people had with it, because if Altuve had decided to sit himself to preserve his batting title, I, people might have some people might have been a little disappointed in him but i think there wouldn't have been nearly the sort of response the response came from this perception or or altuve's own perception that he was being benched against his will by by jeff luno and these other front office executives who were meddling in this area that the front office is not traditionally involved in and so i think it's i think it's different enough from the cold decision or another decision based on just sit and start because this guy's better than that guy, that it doesn't concern me that such a thing could happen for a different reason. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And the other thing, I mean, you might have touched on this, but Altuve was a willing participant of the switcheroo. I mean, it was. It, you could imagine that if the scenario were the opposite, if Altuve had been in the lineup and Astros Twitter had been so petrified that, and somehow put pressure on the Astros to to bench him, mm-hmm. that you could imagine that he that's a way that you lose your clubhouse, right? If you're listening to mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, that would be brutal. That would be awful. That would just not go over well. But mm-hmm. in this case, in this case, Altuve got what he wanted. There will be no complaints from his end, um, and you know you could for all we know it was him that talked himself into but even if it wasn't you could sell it to him as congratulations jose you really made a great argument (laughs) yeah it's sort of hard to see what the end game there was or what the i mean yeah maybe we don't know all the details the fact that he failed to talk his way into the lineup the first time before the twitter outcry and then succeeded after the twitter outcry seems to suggest some sort of cause and effect relationship there it's possible uh, possible that there wasn't one there's who knows how who knows which ally he might have turned to who knows if his agent or who knows if he went to the hitting coach or who knows if he has a right. you know a, his friend you know he's friends with the club president or the owner or whatever well, i mean there's all well, there's which all one is is more concerning to you or disturbing or seems like a worse decision to make that initial decision or to change it once it became clear that everyone hated it. Because um, the initial I, decision, I mean, it, it seems it seems like a strange one, right? I mean, how much does a batting title to, yeah. matter to an organization? I mean, it matters somewhat, but, but you know, it's an individual achievement in, a, in an otherwise, you know, not lost season. They've made significant progress, but a season when the team was out of contention, how much does one batting title really changed the perception of the season. And and obviously Altuve is, is signed for a while. It's not like he's about to become a free agent and, and leave because of this or anything. But it seems like a seems like a weird one to go against the players' wishes in in this case for what seems like not a whole lot of gain. And and you had to figure that that it would get out, right? Because if Altuve wasn't on board with the decision, then when the first reporter came up and asked him why he wasn't in the lineup, you had to assume that he was going to tell the truth and say why he wasn't in the lineup and that that probably wouldn't go over very well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, and it's a controversial thing, a, a slightly controversial thing when players choose to do it. So he mm-hmm. would have been, he's not going to take, he's not going to take the bullet for right. the club on that. So, uh, I felt like it was. It must be a trick question, Ben, because the answer is obviously the first one is uh-huh. is more disconcerting. The second one, kind of, I don't know. If you're if you're predisposed uh, to find flaws in the way people act, then you can say, oh well, it's it's weak or it's uh, whatever. But I mean, you know, that that seems like they probably corrected themselves for uh, either noble or or unnoble reasons. They corrected a pretty. It seems like a pretty bad first decision or if, if nothing else one that uh wasn't going to play well right. um, and if you're the yeah. astros at this point you probably have to be more concerned with whether things are going to play well than the typical team i would think well i mean that's what this is about that's the whole <laughs> point is that the bat is the batting title plays well and mm-hmm. so if, if you're undoing the play well uh of the batting title then why bother true <laughs> yes right i mean it's all pr at this yeah. point 
so, all right, I'm going to give you a couple softballs about the Garrett Cole thing. Uh, these are uh, based on your Grantland piece from four days ago, mm-hmm. uh, postseason myths. So we now know that the Pirates will uh, go into the wild card game as the wild card and with a sort of sense of disappointment because they had a chance at the end and failed to, to make the most of that chance. The Giants, on the other hand, uh, don't have that same sense of disappointment. They lost the division, you know, weeks and weeks ago. And, and for them, it was a nice little, you know, victory at the end that clinched it. So a few of your myths that are relevant, or I, doggone it, I just gave it away by saying they're myths. Beliefs. Beliefs. Ideas. All right. One of them, momentum matters. Tell me why it doesn't matter that the Pirates go in with a slightly less, uh, uh, a slight bit less lift in their step than the Giants might? Well, I wrote about Russell Carlton's research, which he published at BP last, last playoffs after a big David Ortiz home run. And he didn't look at this exact situation necessarily, but he looked at at times when a team came back to win, really there are a couple bits of research that are maybe relevant here, but one is that he looked at all the situations where a team was was losing, like in the eighth <laughs> inning, and came back to win, and then looked to see what happened in the game after that victory, which one would think would have been demoralizing to the opponent and difficult to come back from, and he found that there was no difference in the follow-up game from what you would have expected after any game between those two teams. And then maybe related to that is just the idea that momentum coming into the playoffs doesn't matter a whole lot, that whether you look at how a team played the previous week or two weeks or three weeks or month or even the whole second half of the season, there doesn't seem to be much difference in how you actually perform in the playoffs over and above your regular season record based on how you finish. Okay. Uh, Next one, Garrett Cole pitched uh, twice in the postseason last year, and he was very good uh, in his starts. Edison Volquez has started once in his career in the postseason, and he did not make it out of the second inning. He has a career ERA in the postseason of 21. Mm -hmm. So how significant has this been? Well, uh, there's the matter of playoff experience, which, okay, so Cole has very slightly more playoff experience. It's not a big factor in their case, but based on all of the studies that have been done on that by Russell and by Dan Zimborski and others, there doesn't seem to be any benefit to playoff experience, either on the individual player level or on the team level. The, the teams and the players with more playoff experience don't seem to do better than you would expect them to do. And the ones with no playoff experience, even literally none, if you look at their, their first plate appearance in the postseason, don't seem to do any worse. And then as for you know playoff experience being indicative of some clutchness, obviously going on a, a couple starts is not enough to tell. Mm-hmm. All right, and... And last one, uh, let's see. Uh, Pakoda projects Garrett Cole at this moment in time to be a 3.50 ERA pitcher and Edison Volquez to be a 4.17 ERA pitcher. So basically 0.6 runs every nine innings. So if you consider that they're going to pitch probably six innings, we're talking about you know 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 runs, uh, which is significant. But really it's much, much more than that, right, Ben? Because you can't, 
win a game like this with a lousy pitcher. And you can't, if you have the horse like Cole is, then you're going to win, right? Well, well, if we look at series, maybe it's a little different than than a, an individual game. I assume if you if you have the better pitcher in an individual game, then that that probably does favor you. I would guess that that the real difference between them might be smaller than what Pakoda thinks it is. If we're if we buy into the the mechanical changes and everything that that Ray made, then again, Edson, right? Edinson Volquez, which we didn't mention earlier, has the the best ERA, I guess, of any Pirate starter, or maybe just behind Vance Worley. Um, but FIP-wise has the worst, I think, or second worst behind Jeff Locke. So, so I don't know whether to to buy into that or not. Um, you going to write about it before it happens? Nope. Okay. Jonah Carey is going to write about that. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. By the way, we should I should just say that we we underrated the final weekend, did we not? It was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. We we said whenever it was on Thursday when it looked like there wasn't going to be much at stake that that the playoff spots were going to be decided and then very suddenly that became not the case and we came down to a final day of the season when there were 3 playoff spots undecided or you know division winner wild card or wild card no playoffs and so that was exciting and we got some really good starting pitching performances to clinch a couple of those games and we got the Jordan Zimmerman no hitter which was fun and we got some some nice farewell games from Jeter and Canerco and Abreu and it was a it was a feel good day it was a good weekend mm-hmm. good job baseball it was no 2011 last day of the regular season but it was better than we expected as recently as a few days ago Mm -hmm. okay so that's it for today please support our sponsor baseball reference by going to baseballreference.com subscribing to the play index using the coupon code bp to get the discounted price of 30 dollars on a one-year subscription and please send us some emails at podcast at baseballprospectus.com And we will get to those Wednesday. We'll probably talk some playoff series tomorrow. So come back for that.